Welcome to the Courageous Entrepreneur Show. This is the show that shares information and inspiration to help you stand out when you hate standing out, sell your services even though you hate selling, and create a thriving, successful business you dream of and deserve. I'm your host, Winnie Anderson. The show features interviews with entrepreneurs who've overcome amazing challenges to create success on their terms and experts who share insight and practical information to help you move forward with courage, confidence, and clarity. The show is available in both video and audio formats on a variety of platforms, including Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, in the Google Play Store, on YouTube, and on my website at winnieanderson.com. If you like what you hear, I hope you'll share the show with others, and I hope you'll decide to become a fan of the show on my site at winnieanderson.com fans. When you do, you'll get episodes delivered right to your inbox, along with information, tips, and resources to help you, the introverted, mission-driven entrepreneur, consistently move forward and reach your biggest goals. As introverts, one of the things we have to check in with ourselves about is whether the issue we're wrestling with or that seems to be keeping us from putting ourselves out there or that keeps us from taking action is truly part of being an introvert or is it connected to a deeper issue we wrestle with? And often, you'll find yourself resisting something, avoiding taking action. There's probably a fear that's holding you back. I can tell you from experience that until you fully face that fear, it's unlikely you'll be able to move forward with the courage, confidence, and clarity that you need. That's the conclusion I came to, and that led me to conclude you probably need it as well. That's why I wanted to have today's guest on the show. To say Susie Gruber is a personal development coach is really a simplification of her skills, but that's technically her title. She uses her skills and training to help professionals uncover any survival strategies that we might carry from childhood that we might still unknowingly be using today. She'll support you in developing the ability to detach from the emotions attached to the issue and to support you and examine it and develop new strategies to deal with it and other related issues. Her clients go on to become more productive, achieve their business and professional goals, and do it all with a greater sense of aliveness and ease so your work and your life are more satisfying. Keep in mind that we're not giving you medical advice here. Susie is not a licensed therapist or a doctor of any sort, and neither am I. This episode, like all of the episodes of the Courageous Entrepreneur Show, is designed to inform, educate, and entertain you. If this brings up any issues or feelings for you, please consider reaching out to a professional for a diagnosis, care, and treatment. Listening to this show is not a replacement for the care of a trained and licensed professional. All right, that said, listen in as Susie explains what survival strategies are and how they stay with us through adulthood, what it takes to heal from a traumatic past, what our inner critic is and what happens to us when we hear it in our heads, how we can become our own abuser, and how we can navigate the eight strategic actions we need to manage as entrepreneurs. As always, listen all the way to the end where I'll share your cocktail exercise and action step for this episode. All right, Susie, thanks for joining me. I'm so excited to have you here. Thank you. 
great to be here. So let's just dive right in. And you know, when I first connected with you, I have to be honest, I really felt like I was talking to my spiritual twin because <laughs> so much about what I read on your website and what I've heard about you speak, I'm like, amen, sister. So so excited to uh, to to have you uh, on the show. And one of the really big things, and I was talking about this today, actually, I was doing teaching a workshop before uh, we met today, my Courageous Action Workshop. And I remember the day that I actually realized that the strategies that I had adopted and developed over the course of my life, abusive childhood, abusive work environments as an adult, those strategies I survived I even thrived, right? I became a director, I had a great professional career, but I had reached a point where I could see now that those same strategies were just not working. They were yeah. actively holding me back. So I, I really wanted to talk a little bit about that. And I know you uncover survival strategies, you call them, that people develop during childhood that in all likelihood they're they're still using today. So can you, let's start out with explaining that whole concept of survival strategies and how they stay with us through adulthood. Sure. So when something um, happens in our childhood, stress, trauma, abuse, um, particularly when it's chronic, a child has to adapt to that environment. A child has to find a way to survive that environment. And a key part of that surviving is to create the best possible relationship with the parent, even though the parent is being abusive. Because a child can't survive on her own. We're just, we are the only animal on the planet that has such a long childhood where we're dependent. And so we can't just, you know, two years old go, you know, bye mom, I'm going next door, I'll see you later. <laughs> yeah. so, so we develop these unconscious adaptations and we're really good at that. And and so we bring these through our development. We, we, we keep them going. So it can be something like, uh, I have to be perfect at everything. I have to help other people rather than myself. I have to do everything myself. Um, and so when I look at the careers that people choose, I often see a connection between what they've chosen and their survival strategies. So like in my own case, I got really good at helping other people and I developed this whole corporate career that was in operations where I was responsible for the, the mechanics that kept small companies running. Right. But it wasn't fulfilling. It wasn't my heart's desire. So there's a difference between a survival strategy and our heart's desire and that's where the rub comes in. That's where we um, get to a point where we might be really, really successful even. But there's something missing. And, and that missing piece is a disconnect between our heart's desire and the path we've chosen. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's really interesting um, because I, <clears throat> I completely agree with you. And, and I can see now, you know, uh, you know, the benefit of hindsight. I can look back and see that's why I became a people pleaser, right? And there's, and, and there's an element where that's awesome because you're service oriented, right? So, so you hire a bunch of people pleasers in, in service oriented, especially customer facing positions. 
wow, you're wrong. What a great company. What a great business. These people are really service-oriented when in reality they're trying to fill a need or a, address a wound that mm -hmm. has been there for a long time perhaps. So yeah, it becomes, in some ways, it really does become a very big positive, but at, at some point it really does become dysfunctional. Um, so let's let's talk about this issue of, I, I know you've said that healing isn't about telling your story, it's about, uh, and trying to heal the past. So <clears throat> the rest of your quote, and I'm gonna read it so I don't mangle it up, says, that's an impossible task and nobody wants to go back there anyway. Amen, sister. Um, so let's talk about that because I think there's this kind of fear that if I really address this stuff, it's going to mean going back, pulling the wound off and having to address things that, to be honest with you, scare the crap out of me and I really don't want to look at anymore. So yeah. how do we really do that then? How do we address this stuff in a healthy way? I mean, it, it is tricky because it is going to require coming to grips with some pain that probably hasn't been addressed. The key is that we do it through the, the mechanism of looking at what's going on today. So I want to have a successful marketing plan for my business. I keep stopping myself. What's in the way of me feeling comfortable marketing myself? And then we start to look at what someone's doing to themselves when they start taking steps towards that. And then often they'll find a connection between that, and I'm oversimplifying here, between that and a time where it wasn't safe for them to be visible, right? And then, and then there's, instead of, you know, going into every detail of every experience of that they can remember, it's really um, working with the, the experience that arises inside them as they're recalling it. And so, yes, often there's emotion, and often there's... Um, you know, a rebuilding of our relationship with anger in particular, because often things were done to us that weren't okay, but it wasn't safe to protest because that would interfere. That was dangerous for most of us. Right. Right. Yes. So, so it is, it does require um, coming to terms with what happened, but not in um, tell, oh, the way of telling our story or going back there, right? The goal from my perspective is, all, is always to stay in adult consciousness. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I, um, when I first came to realize that I, I had a, a lot that was still unaddressed and unfinished with respect to my abuse story. Um, I'm the kind of person that I'm going to find a solution to this, right? So yes, I got therapy and, and all that, but the, my first reaction is to research the problem and, and to try to help myself as much as possible. And I'm sure that that speaks right there to tons of issues that I had. Um, and so I found this great manual that was basically a, a, a survivor's guide to working yourself through the trauma that you went through as a child. And one of the things that they recommend is a, a support group. And I'm just gonna put support group in air quotes. And the more I thought about that, the more I just couldn't bring myself to do it. And, and the, the way and their groups are structured, I just felt like for me, and I'm not judging anybody, for me, 
being a part of that kind of group where you just tell your story over and over again and you listen to other people telling their stories, it just didn't sound like a place I wanted to go to. Yeah. I really yeah. wanted to focus on, okay, I got these issues. Yeah, I dealt with them. Now, how am I going to let go of these disempowering patterns and adopt more empowering patterns? Absolutely. And I will say that for someone new to this territory, there's initially a value in um, telling their story and being around other people with similar stories because for a lot of us in those old environments, there was a mandate that we don't talk about it. That's right. Or, or just because of circumstance, we felt like we were the only one in the world who'd ever experienced it. So, so early on, from my perspective, that kind of thing can be useful. Mm -hmm. The trick is we don't want to become identified with, oh, you know, I have this, or I have that, or I experienced this, so therefore this is who I am. Yeah. Right. Um, or it's, you know, it can really be another way of keeping ourselves stuck. So I appreciate um, your impulse towards something more expansive. Yeah, yeah, thanks. I, I agree with you. And as I said, I, I got therapy. So I did talk through mm -hmm. that. And just even finding that organization's manual, and I'll include a link in the show notes for it, um, helped me to recognize that this is something that, yeah, it's crappy. Mm -hmm. It happened to other people. They had the same crappy reaction I did. And then, and so it, my response was within the range of normal, you know, that the way yeah. I've dealt with it, the way I've adapted, that's normal too. And I think that that's one of the things that we all want to have yeah. reinforced that we're okay, that that's right, that we're we are our definition of normal, and that there's a way out of all of this. So let's talk um, a little bit more about this this issue of things that haunt us, and a big one is this inner critic. Yeah, right. So it's that voice in our head, the one yeah. that that says really rotten stuff. There's a line from, I think it's the movie Poltergeist. I'm a big movie buff. Um, the movie Poltergeist, I think there's a line that says, it knows what scares you. Yeah. That's what I, that's always what I think of about the inner critic, that it really does know what scares and hurts you. Absolutely. So, so where, what is that voice? Where does it really come from? And how do we, how do we deal with that? Yeah, so from my perspective, the inner critic, um, in whatever form it's taking, from minor to really abusive self-abuse, um, is really designed to keep those survival strategies in place. So um, when we adapt to an unhealthy environment, we narrow our options, we narrow our behavior, we narrow our needs, we narrow our feelings. And, and so... You know, decades later when we're in a different environment and we have this impulse to go towards something generative or supportive or alive, the part of us that doesn't know our original environment is long gone goes, oh no, you, you will die if you step out of this. Like it's literally connected to survival. Mm -hmm. And so, um, so there's a, there's a, a journey around getting curious about what that inner critic is actually trying to communicate. Um, because sometimes there's, there's hopeful information in there around 
maybe this isn't really a fit for me, or maybe I need X, Y, Z. Um, or maybe it's, um, and this happens a lot, the inner critic can have a component of, of um, a need to renegotiate our relationship to anger. So if, if, if we're uncomfortable with, with protest and with anger, sometimes that can look like us attacking ourselves, which is this weird twisted way that it happens. But, but um, you know, oftentimes when we get to a place where we can feel really comfortable saying, I don't want this, I don't like this, then, then we're kind of building our own foundation and a lot of that inner criticism stops. So, so there's nothing to be done, like, done about it in terms of the strategy. The, the approach to it is to get really curious. And when I go towards this thing, I start to notice my inner critic and then stretching that out and going, all right, well, what happened in between my desire and this experience of the inner critic, because often there's something else that happens so fast we didn't pick it up. And it might be, you know, an unconscious belief of if I step out, I'm, I'm, I'm toast. Like, yeah, I, it's so, so it really is possible then for this to actually help us rather than hinder us. Yeah. I mean, I think it's a signpost. It's, a, it's really, when I, when I, um, for me, it's a signpost. When I hear my inner critic come up, it's a signpost that I've switched time zones, right? Some part of me is back in that child time zone. Okay. Right. And it's like, okay, what just happened there? I need to, I need to rewind and try to stretch out what happened there to see what, where it is I'm feeling uh, uncomfortable, where something's happening I don't like, or I need something, or, um, or I ran over an emotion. There's all kinds of possibilities right. for everybody, but it's literally a sign that I've switched time zones. Okay. That's a great way to put it. Yeah. It's a great way to put it because there's nothing hurtful or punitive or damaging about that. We all switch time zones, right? We all travel, we all go back. And, and so I really love that visual. You know, I think another massive issue that we tend to deal with is this issue of resistance, right? There are so many ways that it plays out. So why don't we start by, first of all, defining it and then getting a little bit of insight into it. So how do you define resistance? For me, resistance is, is that experience of stopping ourselves in our tracks. So I'm, I'm going to use marketing again because it's one I know well. But, you know, I can, I can go out and hire a marketing coach and get this great plan in place, literally with steps to take, and I can do none of them. Right. Right. None of them. And, and, and so there's something going on inside me that's saying unconsciously, I don't want this. This isn't okay for me. And there's a, a really important message in there. There's, it's really important for us to get curious about, about what's happening because otherwise we're throwing a part of ourselves overboard. Like we literally push that part of us into the shadows even deeper. And that's just going to make the resistance even, and the inner critic, frankly, even more um, persistent because it's tied to survival. So, so if I've got an unconscious belief that, that visibility is dangerous and I've got this marketing plan, I've got opposing forces going on. Yes. So, so if I, unless I honor that, I, I'm really 
throwing gasoline on a fire. Like that, that part of us that's, that's programmed to survive is always gonna be front and center. Yeah, so yeah. Powering through, um, ignoring, um, you know, telling it to get lost, all that stuff is, is actually something we do to ourselves. And so that doesn't help in the long run. It can help in the short run, but it doesn't help in the long run. Yeah. Yeah. You made, you mentioned a, a term that I want to go back and get, and it was self-abuse. Yeah. And <clears throat> I think that that's a strong term. And I think it's one though that we have to use because if we really look at, uh, let's just say the lack of compassion that we treat ourselves with sometimes it really does cross the line and become self-abuse. And so I'm sitting here thinking, oh, I went to therapy, I've dealt with this, I'm good. And then it dawned on me one day, I'm sitting here about, I don't know what I was thinking about, but I'm like, oh my God, I've become my own abuser. Yeah. Really, I mean, it, it's that, it was that bad at that point. Yeah. I was neglecting myself my parents never they didn't teach me how to brush my teeth I, I you know they just didn't take me to the doctors what so what do I do I don't have to go I brush my teeth you'll be happy to hear but I don't have to go to the doctors I'm gonna be fine come yeah. on yeah so so here's a here's a statement that the the creator of the work that I offer says constantly when we're in a neglectful environment we, we learn to only need what the environment will give us. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That's the adaptation because otherwise it's too painful. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, say that again because that was a big one. Yeah. We learn to only need what our environment is willing to give us. Yeah. That's really incredible. Yeah. And, and just as fast as you said that, at least half a dozen past clients have popped into my head. I had one person tell me that her wisher was broken. Yeah. When I said, well, what, you know, what is it that you want? What are you trying? She said, I don't know. So we'll make yeah. a list of all the things. She had like two things. I'm like, yeah. And you really already have them. I mean, so... Yeah. And, and, and neither of us could really understand that. I knew there had to be an abuse story in there. I just know it yeah. from so many other things that she said. But, yeah, that's... that's yeah, so we can't let ourselves wish. Right, right. we can't let ourselves wish. Because we're only going to be disappointed, right? Exactly, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Wow, that's really crazy. Yikes. And yet oh it's God. not, right? It's crazy. It's totally, it's, totally it's on it. Right, yeah, right, exactly. Because a child doesn't have the capacity to deal with that level of pain and rejection. Right, exactly. So the child can only decide it's the child's fault. And that's how right. the inner critic gets fed and, and right. all these, I mean, there's all kinds of ways that manifests. Right, right. And, and it, it does, it, it sounds crazy. However, it's, it's totally logical, I mean, when you think about it, because in a little six-year-old mind, that's like a big thought. Right, that I'm going to do this, and I'm going to stay safe, and I'm going to I'm going to work this system within. That's like systems thinking, and, and you know, if we had to develop an equation here, a little six-year-old 
came up with that big thought. That's and, right. And, and yes, managed to successfully navigate that very dangerous environment, whether it's physical danger or emotional danger, that very scary kind of environment. So that's a really powerful statement. And it then speaks to, you know, the money story, because so many of us come from a, a, some kind of money story. I mean, it just speaks to so many things. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's like, yeah. Wow. That blows me away. Anyway, but let's, let's continue to go on or else we're going to spend all day talking about just that <laughs> one statement. So there are eight, I call them courageous actions that are required for building a business. And I'd like to move into what I call the speed round, which is not really very speedy, but we're going to talk about each one of these different actions as they relate to obviously this particular topic. So the first one is marketing, of course. So why do you think marketing is so darn hard for so many of us? Well, we just touched on a big piece of it. If marketing is, you know, hey, I've got this thing of value. Are you interested? That's you know, an oversimplification. Right, right. But that assumes that I know I have value. I was just going to say that. Yeah. Exactly. Right. Or, or, you know, so that's one piece of it. The other piece is I need clients. I'm going to let everyone know I want clients. Right. Like that's a need. So, so, you know, we have a tendency to sit around and, wait for clients to fall out of the sky, which of course does not work. So, um, so this goes straight into the core of, of all of this is, do I have anything of value to offer? And then exposing yourself, which is dangerous. Totally dangerous. Yeah. Yeah, Totally dangerous. And, and the thing is, is it's true. People will reject us. Most people won't care all about what we're offering. Absolutely. And so, but the trick is, is that what do we make that mean now? It doesn't mean right. we're voted off of our family island, yeah. right? It doesn't mean nearly what it meant before. And that's the differentiation process of the present right. from the past. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it in no way means that we suck. No. It absolutely does not. It does no. not it's like totally not related to that no. at all. And, and I was just talking about something similar to this this morning at, at Courageous Action. And I think the longer, and, you know, I'd like to say, oh, I'm so enlightened. I came up with this when I was 20, but it took me, I don't know, 50 years to figure this one out. The, the more we look outside of ourselves for these issues, yeah. it's literally looking for love in all the wrong places. That's the, right. The more we look outside of ourselves, the sadder we'll become because, of course, the answer is always inside us. We're always in love. It's always inside of us. The, again, my, my teacher, Dr. Heller, Lawrence Heller, says that we can measure our healing, our level of healing, by how much we're still looking for the environment to give us what we think we need. Yeah, yeah, amen, amen. Yeah. Absolutely true. The yeah. more comfortable and confident we become in the fact that we are already enough, that's right. Have something really good, not everybody is going to want it. That's right. Right? There. I was at the grocery store yesterday. There are like a dozen different types of apples. Yeah. Like who knew that there were a dozen different types? And there are probably more than a dozen, but that's all that my store had. Yeah. And not, and you know what? Because there's a dozen people who all like a different apple. Yeah. And that's really what we're doing, right? We're saying, I've got this really great thing. Yeah. 
and it's for this other equally really great people. Yeah. But other people who are also great and awesome, they're okay over there. And that's totally fine too. Exactly. Exactly. And what you're, what you're pointing at there is that one of the characteristics of growing up in a challenging environment is, is our thinking becomes very black and white, all good or all bad. It does. And so you're pointing out that there's a million options, a million shades of gray. And when we put stuff out that's full of heart and, and meaning, people will be drawn to it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's so exciting. So, all right. So then that leads to selling, of course. So how do you think selling impacts this struggle? Uh, How do you think the past impacts the struggle we have to sell ourselves, right? I think that's part of the problem is we think we're selling ourselves when we're not at all. Exactly. And that's, that's, that really points to the meaning that we make when someone doesn't want us. It's like that's, right. when someone doesn't want our services, it says nothing about our own value. It means we're not a fit. Right. Um, so, so it speaks to the vulnerability of putting ourselves out there. It really yeah. speaks to how vulnerable um, it feels. And the meaning that, that we had to make when we were visible as kids, I mean, rejection by a potential client means nothing in the scheme of things. It means, oh, this person's not interested. There's seven and a half billion people out there. Yeah. And, and often I think the, the rejection is, is not so much of your offering because it's never a view. The offering, it is in actuality, they're, they're holding themselves from having the opportunity, from taking that opportunity. They're not ready for the transformation right. that you are offering them. It's like you're offering them a time machine and yeah. they do not want to step into it and through it. So yeah, yeah that's awesome. And that's a, and you know, and that's a particular, um, that's a wonderful edge to, to consider how to meet people where they're at too. Exactly. Cause it really honors the, the vulnerability and, and the tenderness of this journey that we're talking. Yeah, yeah. I think that that's probably one of the things that we all forget is that the person that we're talking to has the same, if not worse, fears that and emotional baggage that you have. They've been hurt. They've been made to feel that they don't fit, right? So the more we can talk specifically to an audience that is really going to resonate, truly resonate with it, vibrate to our message, the easier time other people have of saying, that's not for me. And and that's why I think of it as we're never selling, we're helping clients decide to buy. I agree. I'm happy to send people in other directions that are a better fit. I mean, it's really about who is this person and what do they want? Because... Because they're, they're guiding their own life. It's not up to me. Right, right. And, and I think then from an environmental standpoint that each of us as independent professionals, and I know you know that there are also people who don't think this way, that I think it's important that we surround ourselves with people who have that same kind of belief system, that none of us is truly competing with each other. That's right. We're not. We are all magically unique in our own, you know, magically delicious way. And 
and that's the competition is what's somebody going to do without with that money that they would otherwise invest in themselves right yeah. they go on vacation they buy a new refrigerator or whatever it is that they do so yeah yeah that's awesome yeah so let's talk about this issue of fulfilling so fulfilling is actually of course serving our clients and we're constantly told this pisses me off frankly we're constantly told to over deliver and to exceed our clients expectations right which is yeah so share and i know i've just telegraphed what i think about this but can you talk about this and and, and what you think is it healthy or unhealthy for us to do and so how do we how do we fulfill the intent of thrilling yeah. people because that's really what we do want to do right yeah. we absolutely I mean, want to thrill people that's right we i mean we want to provide value and, and quality in what we're doing but there's there's this other thing around efforting right and, and and so efforting is very much a survival strategy i have to keep pushing or i'll die and so we yes. see that everywhere in our culture um yes and and the problem is our clients pick up on that if that's what we're doing they're going to pick up on that um for me there's two important pieces here one is the impetus for the work has to come from the client um um, I'm not an expert in their life. I'm facilitating a process with them. And so as soon as I jump into a role of, of believing or communicating that I know what's best for them, I've taken sides and then I um, put myself in a power overall, which is never helpful. And that's tricky because a lot of us find ourselves going there, whether it's because we're interpreting stuff that they should be figuring out on their own or whatever. So, so the impetus has to come from them. And that's really uncomfortable for a lot of people. It's like this question of, of what do you wish for? It's, well, you're supposed to tell me. It's like, no, I'm not, <laughs> you know? So, um, so there's that. And then the second thing is just on a very practical level. I have a very clear informed consent that says, this is the structure of our work together. Here's what I, here's what I offer. Here's what I do. Here's, here's my, my, um, how I structure communication outside of sessions and and so that that's all very clear um, that that the, my clients know what to expect and and that I'm very consistent with that and so right um, and you know the thing is as you were alluding to <clears throat> how we behave is only half the story a big part of what happens inside trauma and abuse is we don't let ourselves feel fulfilled. Right. So if that's part of what someone's dancing with, it doesn't matter how good the practitioner is, they're going to be dissatisfied. And that's, that's just, you know, where they're at. And so, um, you know, and that's, that's a piece of it for us too as practitioners. Do we let ourselves feel satisfied with the work that we offer or do we have to keep efforting and right over over delivering i mean it's it's, yeah. it's a recipe yeah. for burnout yeah and i think it also speaks to issues around boundaries yes that and and of course you know back to childhood where you didn't have any boundaries i mean you were a kid what are you gonna do get out of my room that's right yeah that works when you're five come on so i yeah i think that we've become so conditioned that it doesn't matter what we think it doesn't i don't have any boundaries walk all over me Everybody else did, right? So I think that then that just perpetuates that vicious cycle. And then all the way back to where I think everything is that I'm not worthy. Well, I'm yeah. not good enough to have a boundary. 
That's right. Walk all that's over. Right. So, that's yeah. right. And that's what somebody came to believe as a result of their environmental experience. And right. so that's something to look at. Right. So next is creating, right? I, I find that there are usually two extremes with creating, uh, creating content, creating con products, right? We either hate it or and then avoid it, or we love it and can, and just get lost doing it and don't do any spend any time doing anything else, right? No yeah. marketing, no anything. So how do we develop that relatively healthy balance then between those two extremes? Do you think? Absolutely. I think the question is, in either on either pole of it, what am I avoiding? Right. So if I'm over creating content, what am I not wanting to experience? Maybe right. I'm not wanting to experience actually putting it out in the world. Right. Um, you know, what what experience am I avoiding? That's always the question that yeah. that I ask when when um, my inner critic shows up or I'm feeling resistant to doing something that I actually logically think is a good idea. Um, because then I'm starting to unpack that internal dynamic a little more. It's like, oh, okay. You know, especially when something I'm I'm choosing something chronically. So if I'm chronically creating content and no one ever sees it then there's definitely something I'm avoiding. Yeah, 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 absolutely. That's awesome. So next up is managing. And there are many facets, of course, to managing a business as we grow it. How do issues with that inner critic, do you think, uh, create problems for us in the management of our business? Do they? I think, I think the biggest one I see, um, you know, most of us are entrepreneurs because we like being in control. But along with that, many of us have trouble asking for help, right? So when I think about managing a growing business, I mean, I definitely have to get good at recognizing what I love to do, what I'm good at doing, and what I should never be doing. So for example, sure, I could learn to build my WordPress site. That's ridiculous, right? That's absolutely ridiculous. Do I do, do, I do the edits on my site? Yeah, that's fine. It's easy. But, but just because I can do something doesn't mean it's the best use of my time right. in my position as a, a business person. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You can bet Steve Jobs probably wasn't sitting around working on Apple's website. No. no. Yeah. 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 That's awesome. So growing is next. And as the business grows, then of course, as you just said, and as we've been alluding to, we need people right? Uh, we need to grow also as people, I should say, and professionals. So I think it's easy to get sucked into continuously taking courses, mm -hmm. watching free webinars, mm -hmm. studying for certifications. How do we, and this is like, sounds like it comes back to the same thing all the time. How do we find that balance, right? How do we make sure the growth we're focusing on is what we need and not feeding some learning addiction or fear yeah. that we have? Yeah, I think, I think the key is when I think about growth, I think about expansion. And so do I feel comfortable inside myself with the expansion that's happening? So cultivating comfort, comfort and capacity for expansion, all that other stuff is after the horse has left the barn. That's me trying to manage my discomfort. So, so what, what do I tell myself is the worst thing that could happen as I'm expanding? Well, someone might not like it. I mean, that's always the one I go to personally. Yeah, and what does that mean? Like you can literally follow that thread, and then often what happens when I do that with clients is they start laughing because they realize how absurd it's it is. Ridiculous. Right, right. But it's not from the child consciousness time zone, right? Yeah. It's not ridiculous at all. Yeah, you know that is so 
fascinating that you say that because of course I'm one of these people I, I have had to learn over the years to control my well what if kind of thing but yeah. when you think about it that's part of what kept you safe so you just raised a really important point and I really want to say this to everyone who's listening out there because because the material recovering is big and 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 it can be it can stimulate a lot of um, stuff for people and I really want to invite you and me and everyone out there to just take a moment and from our adult eyes look back on the child that we were and, and really be with what we had to do to survive like there's so much like there's so much life force inside that and and I mean I get Terry just even mentioning it because yeah. because it really speaks to um, the wisdom that's available and the power that's available to each of us so right that's where I go with with it yeah yeah wow I mean just and when you think about it and the whole so many of us have I'm not worthy I'm not enough I'm not when you look at what we were able to figure out and then do to survive it's like you're a freaking genius come exactly on. oh my god you did that that's amazing yes yes yeah, you were beyond more than enough oh my gosh yes. yeah yes yeah. and that's so amazing. it's totally amazing so when i think about growth i think about this constant process of getting all of the parts of us going in the same direction right you know it's 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 really a, a journey of of moving away from the survival strategy false self we had to create to please our environment and more into the real self that we are now and and so we we we're tipping the scales right every every time we we step into a bit more expansion we're tipping the scales and and with that is going to come another level of you know yes right yeah and, yeah. and, and just yeah. As, as we get used to that okay this is going to happen because i just stepped out on the edge we we become way more resilient with it right yeah yeah which is is something that is should be beyond celebrated because oh. resilience has been proven to be like the number one emotional intelligence criteria or skill for lifelong success. It's resilience. Yeah. 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 Outstanding. So then for leadership, right? As entrepreneurs, we're leaders too in our audience, right? Our market that we're trying to communicate to. We're also leaders in our industry segment as well. One of the things that I tend to hear from people is this fear of because of course it's just what we just talked about right because i automatically go to here right is this fear of becoming a power hungry egotistical jerk yeah like you're just gonna you go from nothing to suddenly being you know tony robbins and everybody talks about you <laughs> in a bad way <laughs> we might have no clients you haven't done anything here but you're worried yeah. about this which is so ridiculous yeah. so Again, so how do we balance that particular issue that yeah. wanting to be seen as a clear leader, but yet, Absolutely. you know, this unhealthy side yeah. maybe we could go down? The more we're connected to, to moving from that place of real self, the more none of that matters. Right. Because it's, it's connected to the core of who we are and the essence of who we are. So we're moving from that place. And so when I think about a fear of, of becoming power hungry, then I, I, my response inside myself is to look at where I still feel powerless, right? It, it's a funky, it's like, look at the opposite. Yeah. And, and um, 
and for me, a lot of that powerlessness is very cultural. It's like there's a million things in the world I can't do anything about. And I have to be willing to sit in that and actually grieve that so that I can do what I feel called to do in response to what's going on. Right, right. Yeah, that's, that's, that's fantastic. That's excellent. And then last but by no means least at all is, is living. And you know, what, what do you do? to make sure that you're building a whole life and not just a business? For me, it's about tracking what experiences bring me alive. So it's literally tracking aliveness um, in a very somatic, body-centered way. And, and choosing experiences and situations and people, frankly, where I feel alive rather than... Um, shut down or, or um, unfulfilled. And it's tricky because I have to make the distinction between um, what's coming from inside me versus, you know, am I, do I have expectations of my environment? But there's still, even, even if I'm, you know, 100% confident inside myself, there's still going to be experiences I like and experiences I don't like. And, and, that speaks to this place of I choose now. I'm no longer trapped in that old environment. So although in the healing process, I've developed the resilience to roll with environments I don't like, I also don't have to choose them on a regular basis. So, um, so I, I really track that. That's great. Yeah. That's outstanding. So I could go on for days. This is fantastic. Susie, I love this information. I love these, the, these topics in general. Let's really help people understand exactly what it is that you do with your clients and how you help. And, and where can they go to learn more sure. about you? Yeah, so um, my first question to every single, even potential client is, what are you most wanting for yourself right now? And it can be absurd. I mean, it can be, you know, world peace, like it can be big <clears throat> because that's the starting point is, is, and, and it can be, I have no idea. And so then that's, well, what's it like not to have any idea, right? The, the exploration begins wherever the client's at. And so then we look at what's in the way of the person creating that for themselves. And that points to the internal dynamic of, of how am I taking myself out? How am I stopping myself from, from generating what I most want? And of course, part of that is coming to terms with, with situational stuff. I mean, I never discount that at all. But, but it's really about how we stop ourselves from living authentically, like truly living our real self and not from those survival strategies. Yeah. So um, if people are interested in learning more, they can go to my website, um, suziegruber.com. It's S-U-Z-I-E-G-R-U-B-E-R.com. Mm -hmm. um, what I do is uh, anyone who's interested in working with me, we do a free 15-minute Let's Talk call to see if we're a good fit for each other. Um, and then we go from there. Outstanding. Yeah. Outstanding. Of course, we'll have links to Susie's uh, main website and her other social sites as well. So you can follow her and, and get all of her obviously fantastic information. This has been so great. I'm so glad that you were able to uh, make time in your schedule and join us today. Thank you so very much, Susie. You're welcome, Winnie. My pleasure. Thank you.
All right, I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Remember, this is a big, powerful topic. If you find it raising issues in you and you feel you've been triggered by our discussion, I'm going to encourage you to reach out to a licensed professional, a doctor, a therapist, or some other healthcare provider who can help you process what you're feeling and get you pointed in the right direction to get the help you need. If you like this episode, please share it with your connections. Please leave a great review for it on the platform where you consumed it. And be sure to subscribe either on that specific platform like iTunes, iHeartRadio, Google Play, on YouTube, or on my website. And if you enjoyed this, I hope you'll consider subscribing on my website at winnieanderson.com fans. When you do, you'll get episodes emailed to you each week along with the corresponding worksheet for that episode and other information, tips, and resources to help you come out of hiding, get your message out in a more powerful way, and achieve your business goals so you can profit from your expertise. All right, so your cocktail exercise, otherwise known as a reflection exercise. No alcohol needs to be involved, don't overindulge, and don't drink and drive. All right, so your reflection exercise is really to think about the actions that you take to move forward, move towards your goals, and to fulfill your intentions. Are you taking consistent actions that you need to? And if not, what's in your way? Reflect on what could be holding you back and whether you're resisting or avoiding taking action and why. So your action step or steps as the case may be. I want you to tune into what's going on in your business and really tune into what you're doing and the actions you're taking. Are you achieving what you want? And if not, then you have to analyze what you're doing and why aren't you achieving the success you want? Why aren't you taking consistent action? I'm sure you know what to do. So what is it that's keeping you from taking those actions that you know are higher risk but also have higher potential for a more powerful return on their investment. Your action step is, as Susie says, to get curious about what's going on, and I recommend journaling about it. Next, you want to acknowledge the trauma that you've experienced and ask yourself what you have to do to survive as well as you did. And we've all experienced trauma. Everyday life has trauma of some sort that all adds up. So see if you can identify what strategies and behavior patterns that you developed as a child in, in your earliest trauma. Identify how those patterns helped you then and how they continue to help you now, but also how they can hold you back when you go to the extremes of them. And if you feel you need help, please reach out for that help. Remember, it's not a sign of weakness. It's actually a sign of strength to ask for help. And just because when you asked for help as a child, you didn't get it, or because in corporate life, asking for help really was perceived as a weakness, that's not true. Get help. Be sure to visit winnieanderson.com slash survival strategies to get the show notes, links, and resources for this episode, including the worksheet to help you complete the reflection exercise and action step. Remember, if you're an introverted solo professional or someone with, an, with introverted leanings and you're ready to get support to reach your business goals as part of a community of like-minded and like-personality professionals, then head over to winnieanderson.com slash join the group and join my Facebook group for introverted, mission-driven entrepreneurs. I share tips and strategies to help you choose faith over fear and take consistent action to achieve your goals. Thanks for listening, and remember, you deserve all the success you dream of.